Welcome in to another episode of the Blue Jay Beat Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Matt DeMarinas, and I'm joined tonight um, by Creighton Radio play-by-play voice, John Bishop, back from the studio in Omaha, safe and sound in his home in Lincoln, and uh, ready to talk some Jays hoops. John, thank you for hopping on, man. Appreciate you taking time out of your late night. I don't know. What, what do you do at 930 at night on a weekday usually? Oh, I'm usually working on the next game, (laughs) working on the next day's show, watching TV. You know, we just got done watching some Marquette and Seton Hall. And yeah, so it's not not terribly different. Uh, I I do. I do like these 530 tips anyway, because at least it gets me home before midnight, which is nice. But um, really appreciate you having me on, uh, especially after such a stellar game tonight (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think usually when like the the guest makes their first appearance of the year after a dud uh the the fans either blame me for inviting the guest or they blame the guest and i just you know it's just not fair um we didn't know that it was gonna we probably did know it was gonna go like that just given well we should have i mean it's been the same song and dance for the last you know umpteen years ever since 2017 though someone did blame me earlier today because i mentioned on my show i said you know uh oh hodges you know he had a good game you know and it's you know he only played five games this year but he's starting to round back into form and you know then there's chuck harris and he's been kind of slow to start this year not as good as last year and of course the two guys who led the team in scoring were bo hodges and chuck harris so i got blamed for that well, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a good call on your part, I think. Well, I mean, I'm, just glad, I'm, I'm just glad I just want to talk some hoops with you, so I'm just glad you came on for that. Reason. I know that it's 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 just another game at Hinkle Fieldhouse. It's it it, yeah. it just it what it does is it reminds us just how special last March was when Creighton actually won in this building and got to the Sweet 16. You know, I, I, I I'm 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 so thankful that that happened for a variety of reasons obviously that they've made a modern era sweet 16 it gave us a chance to have a great memory but can you imagine if they had lost that game to ohio and then after tonight i mean there would be people there would be people from omaha getting kerosene and lighters mm-hmm. and torches and trying to find ways to set Hinkle Fieldhouse on fire, which, yeah. which you know, it might not be a terrible idea at this point, but it is a historical building. It's a very important building in basketball, and we wouldn't want you know people to get arrested for vandalism. But thank God, we thank God we had a win last year in that building. So, so at least we can't necessarily blame it on the building. But after tonight, I, oh, I don't know. Just another Creighton Butler game, I guess. The thing I suggested tonight, it was a little bit more peaceful in nature. I think I don't know if anybody will be. Har- <laughs> I don't know if anybody will be harmed. I wasn't the- suggesting it. I wasn't suggesting. I was just saying uh, it's a good were. thing they won in that building last year in the NCAA tournament, or there would have been people thinking it very seriously. You want you want to piss on the ash heap of Hinkle Fieldhouse? I heard you correctly. I think <laughs> my uh, my suggestion was like a, a like an army of extraterrestrials like kind of just break through the atmosphere and all they do is just hook a crane to the top of Hinkle Fieldhouse and then just carry it off to a, a separate galaxy far, far away. And we never hear from it again. I, you know, just middle of the night, real hush hush about it. No one gets hurt. No one gets disappeared. Just take the building away and just, just take it away. Just take it. Oh, we, let, you know, it, be, some, let games, it be someone right? else's I mean, galaxy it, problem. Of all the years. I mean, this is two years in a row, right? Where, you know, we have these COVID issues and, 
Games are getting postponed and canceled. Why can't this be the game that gets canceled? <laughs> Why does it have to be, you know, random, you know, DePaul games or Providence games? Why did why why couldn't this game? Why couldn't why this was the time, you know, I, I wish Mac would have licked all the doorknobs in the building. <laughs> I just had to sit out this game because oh, it's just it's terrible. But anyway, we're here to talk I, some basketball, so we'll do our best. Yeah, I just don't want the baby blues catching strays because this is the second year in a row they've won the baby blues to, to Hinkle. And, like, just don't put that on the uniforms. Like, don't make them wear those unis in that building. You know, it's just. Well, I, listen, I, I, I was worried that, you know, because they broke them out on Saturday and, you know, things didn't start out too well against DePaul. And I was so thankful that they came back in the second half because they may have. You talk about taking a torch to something. They may have burned those uniforms if they lost on Saturday and then they break them out. I was a little surprised when I heard they were breaking them out again. Yeah, me too. And I thought, really, you're really kind of pushing the envelope here. But uh, yeah, I have a feeling those are going to be put back in the uh, in the back of the closet for a while uh, until they until they figure it out. Unfortunately, man, I love the the they're the best. I love them. They are the best looking uniforms that that we have of course i'm a i'm a sucker for that color i love the yeah baby blue the sky blue petty blue whatever it is you want to call it. but it's just it's a gorgeous look and um unfortunately it just hasn't been very good luck for us for sure let's get into the nuts and bolts of this one um i was i always let the guest tee off first uh so i don't know if you've had time to <clears throat> excuse me think about um just some of your you know, wise in terms of how this thing played out. But what's top of mind for you as you think about this one back and replay it in your mind in terms of why, you know, why the first half went the way it did and why Creighton never could kind of get over the hump once they lost the lead early in the first half and then maybe how it went sideways for them too in the second. Well, I mean, it all starts with, uh, you know, this is how Butler plays at home. You know, we talk about the building, but it is there's just, a, you know, it's a comfort factor. It's a psychological factor, whatever it is. The, Butler played like Butler plays at home. They're tough. They're physical. They'll they'll goad you into things. They'll take charges. Yes. Were there a couple of very questionable offensive fouls? Absolutely. But, you know, teams typically do get calls at home, regardless of whether it's Butler, Creighton, Providence, you know, Duke, whoever. Um, and, and they suck you into these low, you know, these low scoring, low possession type games. And if you're not shooting well, as we obviously did not tonight, and then you eventually, um, you know, what, what happens is you get frustrated. And especially with a young team, you get frustrated and things aren't going well on one end of the floor and you see it start to carry over to the other end of the floor. I talked to Arthur Kaluma after the game and he pretty much said the same thing. It was, you know, we started to get a little frustrated and, and miscommunicate a bit on defense. And then Butler sinks a couple of threes and all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself down nine, you find yourself down 12 and, and it just snowballs after that. But the, that's how these games go mm-hmm. at Hinkle field house for us. Um, I won't guarantee it, but would it shock anybody when the rematch happens in a few weeks that this game is at Creighton's pace 
and you know the nets aren't you know the 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 rims are more friendly and you know it turns into a high scoring affair probably not because that's been the pattern Mm -hmm. it has been the pattern in this series Mm -hmm. lower possession lower scoring games and then butler gets on a run and just slowly pulls away that's the pattern at hinkle high you know high tempo more possession games in omaha creighton wins by 20 it's just it's just the way it is and and these two teams you know um you know they're so different in times and in how they match up but you know you give butler credit you know they executed their game plan really well and unfortunately i I really thought tonight matt that a, a, a lower possession grinder might actually benefit creighton because that's kind of been part of the mo of this team this year it hasn't been quite as much you know the eight nine ten twelve threes a game let it fly offense it's a team that's had to learn to win some low scoring games as we've seen countless times this year and i thought if it got to that point that they would be okay and when you look at it it was 38 34 with 12 and a half minutes to go after arthur made a bucket and as badly as we were shooting at that point and as poorly as the offense looked at that point, it was still a two possession game. And unfortunately, again, they just, you know, there was that stretch where they made, you know, five threes in a row and went on a 14, nothing run and it got away from them. But up until that point, they were still in it. And you thought, okay, well, maybe someone will make a shot. You know, maybe, maybe they'll finally get Kalkbrenner open again. Maybe they'll get another three point play, you know, just, just a couple of breaks, but it, it did not happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, you, you hope to learn from this and move on, but it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter if it's Zagorowski on the uniform or Nemhart on the uniform, you know, th- that that's the usual way that these games go at Hinkle. And, um, and tonight was no different than what, unfortunately we've seen many times in the past. Yeah. There's just like, I don't know. You, you can see in the first half I, I, before you even look at the stat sheet and we'll talk about it in a second, but you, you just saw that the game was going to be played at Butler's pace. And it seemed like Creighton was a little bit too maybe accepting of that, I guess, because if you're going to accept the fact that you're going to play, you know, 65 possessions, you have to bring a certain level of physicality to that type of game because it's not going to be free flowing. You're not going to have, you know, two on ones, three on twos in transition where you can just like make a couple passes, drive at somebody on a bad closeout and get an advantage. And I think the thing that looked troubling for Creighton was that the game started out in a, at a slower pace and it settled into that. And then you start to see Creighton just like, you know, they're just a step slow defensively, a step or two. You know, they're not rotating quick enough. They're not matching physicality. They're not handling the hand checking very well. Um, so, like, now you're now you are starting to realize, OK, Butler's controlling the pace of the game. And they're dictating the physicality too, where Creighton's kind of just like accepting it, accepting mm-hmm. it, accepting it. They're not really imposing anything of stylistically on this game at all. Whether Creighton was going to be the more physical team or whether they were going to open the thing up and get it, you know, played at their pace. Everything that Creighton did from that standpoint was just accepting of whatever style Butler wanted to play. And that's troubling because you have to be able to impose some part of that on your end of things like you have to be if you want to play a slow game and play through the post and you know 
maybe not get sped up as much because you're afraid of turning the ball over or whatever. Maybe you're, you're afraid that your shot selection will, will get sideways on you. You have to, you know, put your foot down and say, okay, we're going to beat this team up here. Like we have a seven foot rim protecting shot blocker who is an, a load on the offensive glass and can get other bigs in foul trouble, especially when they're undersized. We're going to play through him with some high-low stuff. We're going to be really physical in ball screens. And it just like felt like Butler was the team that was in control of, you know, the terms of engagement in that area. They controlled the pace. They controlled the physicality. And Creighton just kind of, you know, was along for the ride in a sense. Like they never really said, no, this is how it's going to go, Butler. And that was – so that's troubling because then you're kind of at the mercy of your of your execution, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look at, well, okay, the turnover rate in the first half of Creighton was 27%, north of 27%. That's way too high. And they shot one for 11 from three. So basically you're winning the battle in the paint because of your size. But Butler's a more physical team. Um, you're not getting offensive rebounds on any of your misses, and you're turning the ball over at too high of a rate. So you've dug yourself a hole there. Then you come out in the second half, and you clean up the turnovers a little bit, but you still aren't, you know – you still are just too accepting of the style. You're not really dictating anything. You're just kind of playing Butler's game. And then all yeah. of a sudden, Butler starts grabbing offensive rebounds left and right. Then they start banging in threes left and right. Then the crowd gets involved. And then, like, the thing went haywire on him, you know? It's over. It was, it was yeah. a four-point game after a three-point play by Arthur Kaluma, which was a big momentum play. Like, he, that putback is huge. Like, it, it could Creighton call a timeout right before it, um, right before the under-12. And... You know, that's a moment where, you know, you want to come out of this timeout and, you know, say, okay, now we got this big, like, momentum swinging play. Arthur's rolling. Let's, let's, let's execute, you know, X, Y, and Z out of this timeout and change the game a little bit. And the team that changed the game out of the timeout was Butler. They came in, crashed the offensive glass, banged threes, made the hustle plays. I mean, you know, it just turned into a game that Creighton could overcome. So you look at the style was always in Butler's control. And then the statistics went sideways on them. You know, you like they turned up, they cleaned up the turnovers, but Butler ended up with 12 offensive rebounds, 92 in second chance points. And 92 in second chance points in a game that's played in with at this slow of a pace, that's huge. That might well, be the, the, only 20 to five. You know what I mean? Honest, honestly, the, the the stat math that I was looking at from the very beginning, um, because you know, you knew it was gonna be a lower possession game. And, and not to not to disagree with you because you're right. I mean, it was a little at times too accepting of 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 Butler's pace. But that's where again I thought we would have a chance to stay with it. And that is we're the better rebounding team. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're third in the conference, 50th in the country, top 50 in the country in rebound margin. And you know that's what that's what helped beat St. John's. That's what helped beat DePaul among along with the defense. While is Butler, Butler's 10th in the conference in rebound margin, and they hadn't been in plus rebound margin for nine games. Mm-hmm. And, and what happened in the second half? They get out, we get out rebounded by 10. And so a team that, you know, if you just look at the stats, it should have been Creighton plus seven. You know, when you look at the difference between plus five on one side, minus two on the other. Instead, it's completely different. It's completely opposite. It's minus 10 on the glass. And I thought if, if if there was a chance, if we were going to survive a bad shooting night, if we were going to survive a low possession game, a low scoring game, it was going to be 
you know, Kalkbrenner, Kaluma, Hawkins, getting to the glass, getting second chances. Yet, you know, there was a there was a possession in the first half and there was a possession in the second half where, you know, Butler got two or three and one, I think one time he got four cracks because either, you know, and some of it was, yes, Butler occasionally will miss a shot badly and, you know, you'll, you'll just be one of those bad shot rebounds where, you know, it just takes a weird carom. But, but there were a couple of times where, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking um, maybe they were both in the second half. But, yeah, it was early in the second half. Ball came off the rim. We had three guys around it. And, and Alex went to the floor and, oh, yeah. Lost the ball and slid. And, and, and he ended up sliding out of bounds while touching the basketball. And there was nobody around for Butler to, to really challenge the play. And then there was another opportunity where, you know, again, it came off the rim at the baseline. Alex goes up and, and, you know, doesn't, doesn't really go after it, you know, try to get it with two hands. Instead, it hits off his hand. It goes out of bounds. Another cheap possession. It's just those little things can really add up. And, and unfortunately, you know, it, it was, it was, it was something that was there from the beginning, you know, even though, you know, we were minus 10 in the second half, it was even in the first half, you know, and, and, and that's, I thought that was a statistic we had to win if we were going to survive, you know, a bad shooting night or a low possession game, a low scoring game, because those second chance points matter. And yeah, while there weren't a ton of second chance points, every time they get an offensive rebound, that's one less chance you have to grab it and run, get to the other end and put pressure on their defense. And we never really had a chance to do that. Yeah. And then, you know, Creighton coming off two games against St. John's and DePaul where, you know, I think come like total between the two games, they were at a 40% north of 40% offensive rebound rate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were getting second chance opportunities. They weren't, they weren't really, I mean, either in the two games, they didn't score effectively off of them, but they were creating those longer possessions for teams to defend. And again, when you're talking about a game that like 65 possessions, you don't necessarily need to score efficiently off of that. If you just make a team defend you for 60 seconds, 50, 60 seconds, that's wearing into them and you're imposing your physicality on the game. And that adds up at the end of it on when possessions, when it comes down to a, you know, a one or two possession game, how tired a team is because you keep just making them defend for so long. And tonight, you know, Butler came in, I think they were eighth in the conference in defensive rebounding percentage coming in. Yeah. And Creighton had got six out of 34. Of their, of their misses like that's not good enough no so you didn't so again like that's what i mean you accepted the fact that it was going to be a low possession slow play game but you did nothing to impose your physicality on it at all you were just along for the ride it felt like then you combine combine the fact that you're two of 22 from three one of 11 in both halves you get outscored 30 to 6 from the three-point line um which way negates your advantage in the paint where you were 34 over 24. And then your bench in 56 minutes, you get, you know, seven points, no assist, two turnovers like that. That that's the one thing that was, I was curious about after the St. John's and DePaul game was, you know, we've seen good games out of Roddy, Andrew and Trey Alexander. And you're just wondering like, okay, can they take that show on the road? Because usually your role players play better at home. It's just like, yep, it just goes, it's, it's, just an, it's just a thing. You play better in your home crowd. You feed off the energy of the crowd, off your teammates, and you play better. 
can they find that on the road? And I, you know, there have been examples where they have, you know, they had to play through adversity against Nebraska. Um, I don't know how the crowd was at BYU, but it felt like a heavy Creighton lean. So that's not really a roadie. Huge, huge Creighton lean. Yeah. Yeah. And then they won at Marquette. They handled some adversity at Marquette. So they've done it before this year, this team, this group, but there have also been kind of a lot of examples where you see the disparity between the home performance and the road performance. And I think tonight was another one of those nights where it was just, yeah, you just, you just need more from your bench in that situation. And you need more from your physicality, like you, those two areas, you got to get, you got to get your bench players to back you up, especially when Ryan Hawkins and Ryan Nemhard are in foul trouble. And Arthur Kaluma is really the only guy you got going offensively. You need someone else to be able to answer the bell and offensive rebounding. If you're going to miss 20 of your 22 threes, you have to get some of those long caroms and, mm-hmm. you know, create three on twos, getting downhill where you can flip it up to Kalkbrenner for an easy one or get him to the free throw line. And they just didn't do like hardly, hardly any of that. You know what I mean? Six offensive boards leading to the two second chance points. Like, and honestly, if you made me tell you when those happened, I probably couldn't tell you. I don't know when, <laughs> I don't know when those six offensive boards happened. That's how few and far between it seemed like they were. So, well, the other thing just, too, and you know, yeah. Matt Creighton's not going to, you know, win a lot of bench point battles. You know, it's just not a deep enough bench, you know, to, to, to do that. So, you know, if you would have told me, you know, Butler's going to, you know, be plus 12 on bench points, I would have said, well, that's, you know, that's pretty much par for the course. But the problem was that you, you, your two best three point shooters only, only had five three point attempts. You had 22 for the game. But only five of those attempts came from O'Connell and Hawkins. Hawkins only took one three the entire game, and it was Mm -hmm. in the first half, and he airballed it. But that was the only three he took the entire game. Part of it was a little bit of, you know, the foul trouble, but the other part was, you know, they kind of took him out of the the flow of the offense. Meanwhile, um, you've got um, 11 of the 22 three-point attempts. Half of the three-point attempts came from Nemhard. Kaluma and under Nikeshvili. Now, Nemhard, you know, has, you know, he shot the three better this season, but he's currently in a stretch where, you know, he, he's having a hard time, you know, hitting his outside shot. Arthur is slowly, and I knew being slowly coming around, you know, he hit the banked in one in the first half, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's still not there. And Roddy, I, I mean, you know, it, it's okay if he takes, you know, a couple of shots, you know, like that per game. The problem was a couple of them were late in the shot clock when the offense was kind of stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, both of them were instead of, of your, two threes were when the, the, no, there was no movement, no movement. Kinda, and he was stuck. And, and yeah, he was like, kind of like, he didn't know who to pass it to or clock. whether to drive. And he just like, yeah. he's enough. So it's like, yeah, that's so, the, so, so the problem is your two best three point shooters only take five attempts mm. the entire game. And you make one out of five. Yeah. That's not going to get it done unless you're, you know, able to, like you said, get the flip ups at the rim and, and work inside and, 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 and so, you know, you credit Butler with a good defensive game plan from that standpoint, but you know, on nights like this, and unfortunately we saw one just like it at Villanova a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. there's gotta be another way. And, exactly. and tonight it wasn't, there wasn't another way. I mean, you know, Kalkbrenner did have 10, um, but it was hard. It was hard to get him going. And I thought, I thought Nemhard too getting that second foul early, um, and then him coming out and, and only playing, what was it? Seven or eight minutes 
in the first half. I thought he and, and Kalk had a, had a good little two-man game going there for a little while, had a couple of flip-ups at the rim. Um, but then he went to the bench, and unfortunately, um, you know, Alexander came in, and while he's been really good, um, you know, stabilizing the team in mm-hmm. those moments, um, you know, obviously his chemistry and his work, you know, getting into that area in the paint where he can get the ball up to Kalkbrenner, that, that part hasn't, hasn't happened yet. I mean, this is literally his third game as the quote unquote backup point guard. So, you know, that may have been a critical stretch too, that we've kind of overlooked was when Ryan went to the bench and I didn't, I didn't like either of the foul calls necessarily, but again, those are the things that, you know, sometimes you're going to have happen on the road and you've got to overcome that. And so, you know, when, when, when Butler went on that little bit of a run midway through the first half and flipped the game and got the lead, um, that, that was also coincided with the point. Cause I think, well, I, in fact, I did, I looked it up at halftime, we were on the air and, and, and when Ryan Nemhard was on the floor, Creighton was plus five. He was the only guy in plus plus minus for the first half. And it was only a three point deficit. So that was how important it was for him to be on the floor. And that was a, that was a stretch there where maybe, you know, if he's out there, if he's not in foul trouble, if the offense is moving a little bit, if he's getting the ball to Kalk, um, you know, maybe, maybe they're, they're putting their fingerprints more in the game and maybe at halftime instead, you know, we're up, you know, four five, six points and maybe the second half plays out differently. Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's just not a hard game to figure out why it went, why it, why it, the way it did. Yeah. If you're going to look, if you're going, if you're, it's not, it's not like a non-starter to play this style of game and be effective at it. You just have to be better in certain areas. You can't, you know, you can't have seven assists on 21 baskets with a turnover rate at 20%. Not, not in a possession, not in a game with like 65 possessions. You can't do that. That's too, that's too many giveaways. You know what I mean? There's too many empty trips and then six offensive boards again. Like I I hate to keep harp on it, but if you're going to shoot that poorly, you've got to manufacture points in some other area. So you either have to get to the free throw line, which, you know, 11 of 13. So I don't know how many shooting fouls they drew, but let's assume, you know, there were some three point plays in there. Well, so they had was, three and one. I think it was three because yeah, Paul had ones. two and I think, um, and, and, and Alex had one. So you had three and ones. So they drew essentially five shooting fouls, right? So yep. you're not drawing enough shooting fouls. So you're not being aggressive enough. Your assisted turnover ratio is upside down and your assisted rate is not even close to, cohesive team basketball right so yep you know you're, you're just playing one-on-one essentially and you're not you're just not manufacturing enough quality offense you know yeah and then if well, that's, that's a big reason why Arthur Hinkle, had the big game he did yeah you know because it was just, it was just straight drives it was yeah it was just iso ball there was nothing there was nothing you know that looked Creighton in 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 how Arthur got most of his 18 tonight yeah and if you're going to do that then you have to be taking away a lot on the defensive end. And instead you let the worst three point shooting team in the big East go 10 for 27. And, you know, Bryce golden, isn't like a volume three point shooter and neither is Bo Hodges, but they're capable three point shooters. Like Bryce golden's 36% this year. And Bo Hodges has had, you know, several games in his career where he's hit at least two. And and tonight was a career high with three, but, and you can call that an outlier if you want, but he's a capable three point shooter. Like he's proven he can. And if you leave, right, but they you, were in if rhythm. If you leave they thirty percent three point shooters open, yeah. they turn into forty percent three point shooters. Yeah, you know th- I mean? there were not there was nothing in that stretch that was contested because they were all in rhythm. You know, yeah. broken floor situations. You know, wide open looks. 
you know, where, you know, either a defensive switch got missed or, you know, a closeout was, was, was not there. And, and, you know, when you're not getting a hand in the face, you know, even a 25% three point shoe is going to hit, hit them every once in a while. And, and sometimes too, it's just, you know, <laughs> once one guy starts pouring them in, another yeah. guy pours them in. It's, exactly. it's one of those things where it's contagious. It feeds, you know, as contagious as their shooting was in the second half, it was just as contagious, the poor shooting that we had for, for pretty much the entire game. I mean, it worked the other, it, it was, it worked in Creighton's favor the other night against St. John's, right? Yes. O'Connell hits a couple of tough ones. Ryan Hawkins had a couple of tough ones. Then all of a sudden everyone's pouring in three and Kaluma hits three, right? And Kaluma you know, hits, yeah. Kaluma goes four for five or three for four, whatever yeah. it was. So yeah, like that's what it's I mean. a rhythm right. game. It's a momentum game. And you know, and, and when you can't create that yourself and, and you're not winning the tough plays. And to me, that's the most disappointing thing. You're not winning enough of the tough plays. And I get it. You know, we can look back at that and, and look at a few, you know, foul calls and wonder, you know, what the officials saw there. But but there were plenty of times where there were just kind of lazy, um, you know, closeouts on on rebounds or or just not not great effort, not smart effort, a little bit sloppy. And and those come back to bite you against it, it, the longer you let a team just kind of hang around and then they can feed off that home crowd and and know that hey you know because because it could have very easily been if this if this game were the same circumstance but played in omaha it may end up exactly the opposite Mm -hmm. where creighton despite the fact that because butler up until that stretch where they hit you know the five threes um it's not like they were lighting the world on fire uh, on offense um yeah they had a couple of nice little backdoor cuts in the first half you know, they got him going, but you know, they were shooting sub 40%. Yeah. They weren't lighting the world on fire at all, but the difference was they were at home. They were still in their comfort zone. All it took was, you know, a couple of good things to happen. Gets the crowd going, the guys, the energy is up and you got to create that own energy when you're, when you're on the road and, and you let your guard down for a little bit. And all of a sudden, you know, a four point game becomes a 14 point game and, 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 you know, when you're not making shots, uh, it's it's all it's impossible to come back from that. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, like there's there's some things that you have to understand that you're going to deal with when you play Butler, too, especially in a slower game. It's, yep. just, it's a little bit like Villanova. I mean, they're not on that level from a talent standpoint or a discipline standpoint. But, you know, you can't give up backdoor. You know, you can't let them drive baseline for crying out loud. And, you know, you can't let Aaron Thompson put his feet in the paint because that's no. how he. And, and, you know, that was that was something that was eye-opening to me from, from the jump was the first two possessions of the game, you let Aaron Thompson go back door and you let him put his feet in the paint and make a play. Like, okay, those are the things you sh- that should be on your, on your mind from the jump and you let them happen right away. That to me is like, okay, that to me, that to me was the sign that Butler was going to dictate this game and that Creighton was just kind of, was just going to try to respond to it the whole time and mm-hmm. for the best. And you just can't, like I think that's what the that's what a young team has to understand is you know you can't just roll out there and like you know try to counter punch punch counter punch you know you have to be able to like dictate certain things from the jump here's what we're going to do like check off three things off the top of your scouting report say we're not going to let them do this we're not going to let them do that we're going to do this we're going to do that and I think that's where this team kind of runs into problems a little bit at home and on the road, like with the inconsistent play a little bit, which you, you have to understand they're going to go through that as a young team. 
but the young the, the players have to understand when they're in that situation that they need to be locked in to those certain things, especially when you know the other team wants to do them right away. Mm-hmm. Because you can't because if you're gonna play a low possession game, you cannot be giving away the easy stuff. You got to make them yeah. work for it all. You know what I mean? So when you're yeah. given when you're given Aaron Thompson the paint, when you're given Butler baseline, you're asking for them to just rack up some easy ones and you're not making them work hard for it. So that's, that's just the way you dig yourself a hole and you let Butler get comfortable. Yep. Uh, that's kind of the game that it, it, it settled into that type of game, even though Creighton got off to a good start and had the lead and they were hitting shots. It didn't feel like they were in control. It felt like they were just hot at the moment. And once the shot making normalized a little bit, then the game was going to play out the way it did ultimately. So, and then you are playing Butler's game and you're chasing it the whole time. And then finally they get hot and then the game gets put away. That's the way it yep. was. Yep. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with anything you said there. Um, and, and yeah, even though it was early in the game though, you, you're right. Those two little backdoor plays very early on just kind of set a different tempo because those aren't, I mean, that's, that's not what Creighton has been about. It's been about, you know, you, you defend that baseline, you, you, you don't lose your man, you, you, and, and then you get the help and that's when you bring Kalkbrenner over and he gets help and, and you get the shot blocks and, and it's hard to do when you're asking him to, you know, defend one-on-one, um, especially against a guy like Enzi who made a couple of nice plays on him in the first half. It, it, you know, it, it's, it, it, it all starts with, it, it, we all knew it started with Thompson Mm-hmm. Um, who's as savvy a, a point guard as we have in our league. The, the thing that I think a lot of people, you know, they overlook is you look at the overall numbers and they nothing, nothing on the stat sheet pops out at you. Mm-hmm. But then next thing you know, he's got almost as many assists by himself as Creighton did for the entire game. Yeah. He had six. That's Creighton what he does, seven. right? Yeah. And that's what he does. Yeah. You know, not last year it was a little bit different. You know, he, he became a scorer there in that stretch run to overtime when, um, when they came back and, and beat us. But, um, yeah, he, he's just one of those guys. He, you know, he, he knows his role. He knows what he's asked to do. He's not flashy. He's not a great shooter, but if, if you let him get to his spot and dictate, you know, and, and, and bring the defense to him and thus open up those baseline drives, next thing, you know, you're getting backdoor cuts, you're getting reverse mm-hmm. layups mm-hmm. and, and, and he's, he's racking up the points and, you know, it's, it's, it's credit to him. There's a reason why he's, you know, second all time in assists at Butler because he knows where he's, what he's asked to do. And he doesn't do more than what is asked of. Him. Yeah, for sure. Or try to do much more, more than asked of. hundred percent. Uh, let's get into questions, shall we? All right. <clears throat> My first question, can we condemn Hinkle Fieldhouse? Answer? Yes. Yeah. Do it. 100%. <laughs> that's the answer it's we not that. vandalism it's, it's just can we get the place condemned we did that we did that <laughs> we have a rat infest- yeah. infestation just before we get there do we have can we move this game somewhere else <laughs> no resistance from me honestly like though like i, I this is exactly i when jordan and i recorded on sunday i this is exactly maybe we recorded on, i don't know which day we recorded but uh we were, we talked about Butler a little bit and just kind of how they're, they're going through a little bit of a, I mean, I think we phrased it like an identity crisis, but it was their, they weren't, they weren't ever like when you watch them play all these teams and 
you know, all these setbacks they were taking, they weren't ever able to control the game against anyone. And I, we both said like, watch, this is, as we're saying this now, Butler's going to come out and play their type of game at Hinkle on Wednesday night against Creighton. And it's going to turn into a Butler type of type of basketball game. And they'll just control the game for 40 minutes and beat Creighton handily. Like we saw it coming because we were going too hard in the paint on the lack of their identity because they weren't really imposing that on anybody yet. So no, um, yeah, they've had some close calls, but they haven't had any games where they really, you know, shown you that they're in control of things. And this was a rare one. So kudos to them though. They did. No, absolutely. And, 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 and listen, the fact that Hodges, has now put together two great games in a row. He had yep. 17 against Providence. He had 18 tonight. The fact that they've got him back and, and you know, if he stays healthy the rest of the way, this is it's going to be huge for them because for they've sure. needed somebody to kind of run the show. Harris has been hit or miss this year. You know, he was out of the starting lineup for a while. Um, you know, and I, I know he had 14 tonight, but he came on 15 shots. Yeah. Um, but if, if, if Hodges can, you know, kind of lead the way and, and be that main guy right now. Um, you know, there's, there's still, there's still, I mean, there's, there's a reason this guys has 97% of their returning scoring from last year, <laughs> which is an I insane so number much in the off season was they had so much of that production back and they're all right. old. They're all old men. They're all like grown up. Oh yeah. There's, 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 I think it's, what is it? Five or guys are, taking advantage of their sixth year. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, their fifth year, their fifth year. And so, you know, they're they old, they're experienced. They've always been well coached, you know, even before Laval, but, you know, even with Laval, you know, they've been well coached. They, they know, you know, like Thompson, they all know the role mm-hmm. they, that they're asked to play and they go out and play it. And so, yeah, if, if, if Hodges can continue this run for him, Butler's going to, going to slowly, but surely start to climb the standings. Yeah, for sure. Uh, first question from John Schulte. Any update on Max status for Saturday? Um, uh, he tweeted after the game. It sounded like I'll see you on the practice floor tomorrow. I think this was day five mm-hmm. of, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the COVID protocol. So uh, he seems to be doing okay. So yeah, I would, I think he will be, he will be back with the guys tomorrow. And uh, if not tomorrow, at least by Friday and he'll be back on the bench on Saturday. Yeah. We got a notice for immediate availability that is kind of like um, expecting Mac to be back tomorrow for that. But, you know, also there's a contingency plan. I think I really, I honestly think you have to strap him down somewhere. If you're going to keep him away from the pink out game, you know, yeah, this is, this is his game. This is a very, very important to him. And uh, yeah. And, and, and fortunately, you know, because he and the rest of the tier one group were all vaccinated and boosted, Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the symptoms that he had were milder and, um, and, and didn't affect him as badly as, as, as it has affected others. So, uh, credit to everybody for, you know, staying on top of their vaccinations and, um, and, and Max should be okay for this weekend. For sure. Um, Rob Pollock, I hope I'm saying that name, right? I, I shouldn't read last names just because. If you screw him up, then you're like Rob P. Rob P. P. (laughs) Um, He says Jays will have stumbles along the way. The biggest concern for me is turnover difference and the points off turnovers. Every game CU gives up 10 to 15 to et cetera, extra points off turnovers, margin of error on other areas of the game, slimmer, Um, hard to come, hard to have consistency being 341 in turnover margin. Yeah. I mean, like, 
Yeah, again, that just goes into what we've been talking about here. Like, if you're going to, if this is going to be part of who you are, you have to offset it. So if you're going to turn the ball over a lot, you have to take the ball away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to turn the ball over a lot, you can't let teams score on you as as easily, right? Like, you have to, there has to be, it's a, listen, basketball, there's so many facets to this thing, but at the end of the day, it's a game of math. So you have to make the numbers work some way. You, It's okay to be, you know, it's okay to not win every battle across the board, but you you have to be able to win some areas that coincide with some of your weaknesses, you know. And mm-hmm. tonight, it just like Creighton didn't win anything. They just did. They didn't. No. They, they they were two for twenty two from three. They only had six offensive boards. Uh, they had a twenty percent turnover rate in a low possession game. They didn't get to the free throw line a whole bunch. You know what I mean? Like a couple three point plays we mentioned already, but. You know, 11 out of 13 isn't exactly imposing your will on the game there. That's kind of just game flow. And then you have three steals. So you only have three live ball turnovers. And honestly, the way the way Butler scores games, they give steals for guys who just force turnovers that are on out-of-bounds plays. They're weird like that. Yeah. So you have three steals, um, 13 turnovers, two for 22 from three. You don't live at the line. You don't play inside. You don't get any offensive boards. Like, where do you expect to have the advantage in that game? That's what that's what the problem Creighton ran into tonight is they well, just, and, and they didn't offset and, enough. They didn't offset. Yeah, enough. And, and you know obviously the concern with turnovers, the turnovers weren't the big issue in this no. one. I know they had, yeah. uh, was it? But they have uh, well, they had nine in the first half. Well, they only had four in the second half. Yeah, when the game I mean, got away, isn't yeah, that interesting? Exactly. When the game got away, they only had four turnovers. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is probably the bet one of the best halves they've had all season. Right. In terms of turnovers. You know, the turnover issue is, is what it is. It's it, I mean, a lot of it is, I think a lot of it is guys getting sped up a little bit, a little indecision. And as they get more mature and, and comfortable playing with each other in this offense, that that's going to, that's an issue. That's, that's a problem that's going to fix itself over time. Yeah. Obviously you'd like to have it better. Well, the thing that has offset that number though, this year has been the field goal defense because Creighton's been top three in the conference in field goal defense. <laughs> right. So they've been able to offset giving up the extra possessions by I mean. not giving up a ton of points mm-hmm. on the other side. Um, but the, the 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 irony of it is that tonight it wasn't the turnovers that, that really did it. So, um, you know, ho- hopefully, um, you know, you're going to have – occasionally you're going to have those clunkers. And, and tonight offensively was one of those clunkers. What you never, what you don't want to have happen is for inefficiency on one end of the floor to affect the other. Right. And there was, and there, and that stretch there in the middle where Butler blew the game open, you know, there was a little lack of intensity, um, not as good a communication and, and, and Butler made them pay for it. So um, yeah, but, but on the turnovers, hopefully that's something that they it will slowly, but surely, get better and i mean and and when it does then really things are really going to start to click but they finished with like i think their turnover rate was like 18 19 tonight yeah not bad i've said i've said all year i think creighton can survive with that at that number i think they can survive with a 20 percent or hovering around 20 percent you don't want to go too high over that but no i think 18 percent 19 percent creighton can still win a game turning the ball over that much that's i mean it's just that's not out of whack for me. Again, I think the thing that the point is here is they turn the ball over on 19% of their possessions. 
they only scored on like 35% of, so like their score rate versus their turnover rate versus how much they were stopping Butler. There was just no, there was, again, you have to offset it somewhere and they didn't do that. Yeah. So yeah. They had a turnover, 10% the turnover, turnover rate worse. in the second half. Yeah. They had tr- 10% turnover yeah, rate in the second fine. half. That's, that's which fine. is per- which is yeah. really good. I mean, yeah. you're you're perfectly happy with that. So yeah, it's it, again. We know the reasons why they lost. Um, I guess if there if there is a bright spot in all of this, it it, it wasn't the turnovers this time that did it. Mm-hmm. But but it was everything else. Like you said, you look at the numbers, and there's nothing on there that screams, you know, a Creighton win. You know, you're outshot. You're out rebounded. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. And and you're out assisted, you know. It's just you can't you can't win games like that. Right. Um, are games like this just expected with a young team on the road? Can the Jays lose the teams like? Oh, maybe there's a couple questions here. Okay, so let's let's tackle one at a time. Are games like this just expected with a young team on the road? I mean, the short answer is yeah. Like, sure. I mean, it happened. It happened yeah. to Villanova. I mean, literally within yeah. a couple of weeks of you know blowing them out. Um, it, it went completely the opposite direction um, at Villanova. And, and again, I'm not guaranteeing it, but don't be shocked if this game's played in Omaha in a few weeks and, and, and the, the score looks exactly 180 degrees the opposite. It mm-hmm. would not shock me in the least. Um, and, and that's one of the things you learn, um, you know, as, as you're coming up, you know, winning on the road, you've got to bring your own energy um, you don't have that crowd working off of you, you know, that, that was, that was the thing that made Saturday so much fun was, you know, it was one of those rare moments where, you know, Creighton truly won it with defense. And it was, it was the kind of defense that we don't see very often, you know, a team that's playing 94 feet and, you know, um, hustling to the ball and, you know, forcing either, you know, late shot clock, you know, forced up shots or, or getting steals and it just it just feeds and it's just a monster and it continues to feed and feed and feed. You don't have that when you're on the road. You 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 don't. And so you got to create all of that yourself. Yeah. And I know there were a few moments in the first half where they just tried to speed up Butler a little bit, but Butler's got more ball handlers than um and 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 certainly when you have Aaron Thompson that that helps a lot, but you know Butler's just has more, you know, they're they were ready for it. Uh Creighton kind of surprised DePaul with some of that stuff on Saturday. Um, Butler was ready for it. And, um, and plus that, you know, you don't have that crowd to feed off. You don't have that energy to feed off so that you can make an elongated 22 to two run over 11 minutes. You know, usually a 22 to two run doesn't happen over 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's about half that time, but you know, um, it, 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 that's, that's one of those things when, you know, the savvy, the veteran teams, like the one that we had last year, you know, can probably overcome that. That said, they lost this game too last year. You know, they gave up a big lead in the second half. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of this can be expected when you have a young team like this, it's, it was already hard enough to win on the road in this conference. Um, it's even harder to do it when you got a bunch of freshmen out there or guys who have never played in this building before. Yeah. I mean, this game is for Brian Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Roddy Andronikashvili, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Arthur Kaluma. Um, these are the guys that have to figure this out. Like mm-hmm. you have to making winning plays when the crowd's on your side. It's just, it just, it's, it happens easier. I don't know why. I don't know why, what it is about the energy um, of your home building that just 
makes you quicker to the ball or more likely to make a play that affects the game in a positive way. But it just does. That's just the way sports work. Um, the magic with the 2019-20 team and then last year's team um, where you saw them make winning plays with the game on the line, on the road. I mean, last year it didn't play in many hostile environments, but two years ago, you know, at Seton Hall, Damian Jefferson just hustling his ass off in the backcourt, laying out for a ball, flipping to Marcus Zagorowski for a layup. Like, that type of stuff, you know what I mean? Like, Tyson Alexander down the stretch against Marquette. Uh, When Villanova pushed back at them um, after the big lead went away and Creighton just pushed it. And Denzel Mahoney hits a big shot at the end of the shot clock, a big three. Like, those type of plays, you just got to learn how to do them by doing them. You know what I mean? There is no way to there is no other way to learn other than to be in the fire and make it happen, and then all of a sudden, you can revert back to it when you face that situation again. Yeah, it's now, always about call young back. Team you right call here. back on experience. Yes, for now, this team's just got too many young pieces that, for now, they just know how to feed off of the home energy, and it's something that they got to learn how to do away from home, and it's not on. You know, this year's group has a little bit of an advantage because they have Alex O'Connell, they have Ryan Hawkins. You know, they've got guys who have won at high levels and have made plays or know what those plays look like and know when they need to happen. But it's it's on these young guys to figure it out this year because they're the future of the program going forward in the next couple of years. So mm-hmm. they're gonna have to they're gonna eventually have to put they're gonna be the ones who do it. So that's part of the learning curve. It was it wasn't there tonight. It wasn't there against Nova. Alex O'Connell and Ryan Hawkins were the guys who made big plays against Marquette to save that game. So, you know, same thing as Nebraska. Ryan Hawkins was the guy, you know, making plays down the stretch to get that one sealed up. That's just so the young guys just got to learn how it's done. And the only way to learn it by doing it. So, right, that was another, another advantage, another opportunity, excuse me. Agreed. Next part of that question is, can Jays, can the Jays lose to teams like a Georgetown and DePaul on the road, um, just like they can beat teams like Nova at home? I mean, yeah. like Sure they can. We saw it tonight. I mean, Butler was not playing particularly well at this right, point. Right, exactly. They were yeah. under 500, and you see, what, you see what happens. That's the thing. This league, um, it, there, there really are no off nights. Anytime you go on the road, you better be, you better be braced for, for, for a fight. Heck, even last year's team struggled with DePaul on the road, um, you know, and, and, and had to fight through that one. So, yeah, it, certainly it can happen. And I think, you know, um, DePaul's a better team than what they've shown record-wise. Um, not having Freeman Liberty was, was pretty, pretty big for them yeah. on Saturday, yeah. and I would anticipate we're going to see him when they make that return trip to Chicago. And, you know, Georgetown, same way. Georgetown's been playing a little bit better. Um, they they took they took Villanova pretty deep into that game the other day. Providence um, too, yeah. And, and so, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it's easy to look at the record and say, well, we have no business losing to those guys. This year in the Big East, this is is. I don't know. I don't think there's a. I don't believe there is a great team. You know, Villanova is not classic Villanova. Um, Providence for as good as they've been. You know, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of teams expecting them to win three games in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. but it's really, it's really good top to bottom. You know, yeah. it, it's not, there's not that great two teams or so at the top, but it's really good. Um, 
and, 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 you know, that's, that's kind of what we expected. You know, the, the, the whole, you know, fifth year senior thing is really kind of thrown a monkey wrench into a lot of this stuff because Gillespie would have been gone by now. Um, half of Butler's team would have been gone by now. Um, you know, I, just about everyone's got a super senior or two. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's really kind of spread the talent out throughout the course of the, throughout the entire conference. So yeah, it's, um, there, there's no gimmies, no gimmies in this league. Mm-mm. And every, every, every road trip is going to be a fight, especially for a group as young as we are, where every experience in a new building is, is the first experience in that building. And it takes a little time to get used to that. When you've had that experience and you've been there before, you know, it's easier to make some of those plays that you talked about earlier, the ones that the team last year made the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Uh, next question is, what do you think of Kalk's vulnerability to ball movement? I feel like the dribble drive under the hoop pass is killing us. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's a Kalkbender vulnerability. I think it's like a guard wing stopping the ball from getting to that point vulnerability. Right. Right. So, yeah, because part of part of what, you know, part of the goal is to funnel people to, you know, certain areas on the floor so that Kalkbrenner can come in yeah. and basically just, you know, play rim protector. It's like bracket um, it's like it, bracket coverage in like football, like you Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're you know, you're trying to move guys to certain spots and you mentioned it earlier, you know, letting an Aaron Thompson get his feet in the paint is a recipe for disaster and we saw that on a couple of occasions. Um, you know, so I don't think, I don't think there's an issue with Kalkbrenner. Yeah. You know, Lukosius had a couple of, or at least had one really tough finish over a block. Um, occasionally you're going to get guys who can be creative around the rim and do stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't find a lot of fault right now in how Ryan Kalkbrenner is playing. He yeah, is, no. well, especially he is if playing out of this world. Like, he's playing, he's playing all conference level is where yeah. he's been all season. And if you let guys have baseline against him, then they can use the rim as protection. So, right. like that's again, you, there, are, there, you have Ryan Kalkbrenner back there, but you can't just send, you can't just like forget your front line defense and let him. You know, well, we got Kalkbrenner back there, so if anybody gets by us, he can just take care of it. Like, no, you have to be purposeful in the angles that you're willing to give up because you have to funnel into certain areas on the floor where you can yep. close them off. Like, you can't let them just have at Kalkbrenner, you know what I mean? Where they have, you know, where they can go right, left around him. They, you have to make sure that you're on their hip and that they're running into him and that the only shot they have is to go up over top of him, not around him at all. So, exactly. yeah, I don't know if – I don't think Kalkbrenner's vulnerable back there. I think there's some issues um, at the point of attack that are, you know, more problematic for Creighton defensively, certainly tonight, than – than just what Kalkbender was doing back there. I mean, I thought he had a fine – I thought he was pretty okay defensively tonight. Yeah, I, I don't remember if he had any blocks in the second half. He had three blocks in the first half. Yeah, he had two in the second. I think he finished with five block shots tonight. So. I mean, yeah, he's he's been – Just he's another been night. <laughs> he's been basically a four- to six-block guy yeah, yeah. the last month of the season. Uh-huh. You'll take that You'll take that all season long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's you're right. It's, it's about moving people into spots – where he is most effective because, you know, unlike a goalie in soccer where they are all by themselves um, and, you know, think of it like, you know, a a breakaway where a guy's got a one-on-one, all of a sudden it's a whole different ball game. But if you've got defenders who are moving that shooter into certain areas of the field, 
all of a sudden it cuts off scoring angles and that's where you take advantage of a guy's, you know, seven foot wingspan and, and his ability to, to alter shots or, or block shots. Um, yeah. Next question. When you find a weakness that you can exploit on offense, do you keep going to that or do you just keep running your offense as normal with everyone else? So often shooting, it seems like they should have started running plays for Kaluma like Doug during a first half low. Um, but the problem, see, the problem with that yeah, is it wasn't, they weren't really running plays. Kaluma wasn't scoring I mean. necessarily yeah, off plays. He was bit, just, right? yeah. he was just, yeah, he was, he was, you know, getting, getting driving angles and, and taking it to the rim and getting finishes. But it wasn't, it wasn't something that was necessarily in the flow of the offense. Now, sometimes that can work for you. We saw the Xavier do that a couple of weeks ago where they was just like, hey, we're just going to drive straight down the hill and go right at you. And, and, and it worked for them. But, um, uh, yeah, it's it, it wasn't a lot of running plays for Arthur that that got him where he got. Um, it was it was Arthur kind of creating things when he had space to do so. So, I mean, yeah, that's the I, whole point. I, the offense's magic is kind of like the flow creates spacing, and then through all the movement, you find mismatches, and then you attack those because you have space to operate. So that's kind of what Arthur was taking advantage of in the first half and you know at some points in the second was just like he has a dude who on him who isn't as quick um isn't as physical and he can get down get an angle and finish at the rim over the top of the person so that's what he did um i don't i it wasn't anything like where oh he's it's different if you have a guy like arthur was scoring at the rim most of the time you know he wasn't it wasn't like he was feeling it or anything like that and it's different if you have a guy who's just like he's banged a couple threes in short succession. And now you're like, okay, let's, you know, get him off of a flare screen or get him off of a stagger and like, see if we can, you know, keep him hot. You know what I mean? And see how, Mm -hmm. see how long this can continue. Um, With Arthur, it was kind of just, you know, he was just making plays downhill. And with, when that's the case, you just try to, you know, spread the floor, move it, you know, set a screen here or there and get him an opportunity to go downhill again. So I don't know if that was necessarily something they needed to go back to. Um, and if you know, especially, especially his, when, especially when point, you know, he got yeah. to that 18th point and brought us within four and didn't score the rest of the way. Yeah. So. But, but the, but the problem, the rest of the problem with the, in the next spurt was defense, not offense. So, yes, exactly. Like, like Creighton wasn't scoring, but they also didn't stop Butler. I think Butler, what did it, no. Arthur, after Arthur's putback layup, um, Bo Hodges hit a baseline turnaround jumper, got to the free throw line, hit two for two, hit a three. So Hodges went nuts. Um, then Chuck Harris, again, off Aaron Thompson, DHO, banged a three. Then Bryce Golden went bang, bang. <laughs> it's just like, you know what I mean? And then and then Lucatius uh, hit a three. So it's like yep. it, that that all that that's Butler's basically whole entire team right there in the flow of the game, answering, just putting the game away. There wasn't any yep. time for Creighton to steady itself because by the time Butler was done with their flurry, the game was over. You know what I mean? Yeah, was a, and that was all It was an 18-point game with eight-something minutes left, right? And there's yep. – how many possessions are left in the game at that point? That's – there's you know well, Against mean? Butler? Not many. Yeah. Not, not enough, might, might not enough down, unless you're yeah. hitting every shot. Yeah, you might as well be down 30 at that point. So, yep. yeah. Um, our last question for the night is, can this team, it's a two-parter, I guess, <laughs> can this team play consistently well by the end of February 
And are you still shook up by uh, Cinderella's leftover fried chicken sandwiches? I don't know if you know the origin of the second part. So let's go with the first one first. <laughs> can they, can they, what was the question? Can they play consistently enough by the end of February? Yeah. Um, well, let's look at their schedule and see how that lines. I mean, dare we well, look, that, that that's when you're running into all the makeup games. Um, I mean, they're going to be the coming. Makeup, they're, they don't they're, even, they're not making up any more games, are they? Uh, I mean, they're still, they still have to reschedule the. They're not rescheduling okay. Providence. They're, they're probably not rescheduling Providence, but, there's, there's but, really you know, you've got that week there, you know. All right. So by the end Valentine's of February, week so they're playing four times in seven days or eight days or something like that. Okay. So they, by the end of February, they have, so they have Seton, they have Xavier for pink out um, afternoon on Saturday. Uh, then they go at UConn at Seton hall home against Butler. And they go Georgetown back to back Saturday, Monday, um, then they have DePaul on the road, Marquette at home, St. John's on the road, and then Providence on the road to finish out February before finishing the home – for finishing the season at home against UConn and Seton Hall. So can they play well with – I mean, Kim Pom has them five and five in that stretch. Okay. But, but, I mean, if – I mean, I don't think – I don't think Saturday is like – a daunting task, you know. I, I mean, Xavier no, I mean, is beatable, and Creighton has played well at home. And uh, how many turnovers were there in, in Cincinnati? Oh, yeah, exactly, or whatever. Uh, and they were only seven points behind. Yeah, UConn's, yeah, been, and, UConn's been a beast, but they also are more offensive this year than they have been tough defensively. So, I don't know who knows what that game turns out to be. It, I'm, I'm, I'm we'll just chalk it up as a loss because you're not expecting to beat UConn on the road with this young of a team. But I mean, Seton Hall is kind of reeling right now. Then you get Butler rematch at home. We both think that game just plays differently stylistically. It, it, it always does. Yeah, in Omaha. And then you have Georgetown, who Georgetown twice in three days. Yeah, Georgetown on the road on Saturday. Then you're going to play them at home on Monday. And I mean, by they're probably going to be the worst team in the league from in the standing from in the standings by that time. So you know, those aren't. It's not like you can't. You know, it's not like you can't win those games. And then DePaul, like, again, these are all going to be, you talked about it, like, these are all going to be kind of toss up games, right? Like, so they really are. Team, this, that's what this roll? Yeah, they can, but I don't know if it's going to tell you a whole lot more. I don't know how much more it's going to tell you than you already know about this group. Right now, it feels like they're already a bubble team. They're already, it feels like they're on the right side of the bubble right now, like they've done yeah. pretty good work up to this point. So you, you just got to avoid, uh, you know, something like what Seton Hall's going through right now or what Butler went through or what Georgetown's going through or what St. John's went through. Like, you can't just let it go sideways where you're just, you know, everywhere you turn, it's an L. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be hey, able, listen, you have to, be able that, to respond. So That Marquette win's looking better and better all the time. Oh, yeah. That Marquette, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a As solid, they continue to rack yeah. up wins, that win's looking better and better. Um, you know, Colorado State continues to be good. And so even though that was a loss, that, that looks decent on a resume, BYU. Um, so... Yeah, as of now, they're on the right side of the bubble. But um, I've I've always kind of felt that, you know, as this team continues to grow, um, you know, what you hope for is that they're in position seed wise to get a good enough draw. Yeah, in New York. About, do you care about that this year? What's that? Do you care about their draw this year? If they make the tournament, isn't that just like 
Gravy? I'm talking Big East, Big East tournament. Oh, okay, okay. okay Big okay, East tournament okay. seeding. I'm sorry. Big I was East like, tournament. yeah, if they're playing a one seed in the second round, I don't think they give a rat's ass. No, 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 no. I'm at Big East tournament. I'm at Big East tournament. You know, because because I think honestly that could be the most one of the most wide open Big East tournaments ever. Villanova never yeah. seems to play that well there in New York. <laughs> Um, I'm really curious to see what like how UConn plays at MSG when it's when they finally have like a crowd when like, they have I, their people there. Yeah, because oh, man, I've that, heard, that I've heard be, many times oh, dude. that oh yeah you know they would come in and, and invade you know from the north and 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 just fill the place with with UConn fans and mm-hmm. if that's if that's the case then that'll make things a little interesting. But you know I've seen Providence travel well there. Yeah, um, true. You know so it, yeah hopefully hopefully as 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 um you know covid hopefully starts to wind down at least a little bit this this variant that you know we'll be able to have a full madison square garden because then it may feel like a like a true big east tournament yeah i think two weeks ago they said the poop and like they studied our poop again said there's less covid in it so i think the i think we're doing okay with the variant oh nice that's good that's usually that was usually the first indicator was they study our feces and see how much covid is in it so does that tie into then the alex question about um the chicken sandwiches the feces does not but oh okay yeah um well just to finish the point though like <laughs> <laughs> just to finish the point though uh yeah i mean i think they can get going by the end of february i think they're i think you know the other thing is like let's not forget the circumstances for tonight either like you're at hinkle you're a young team you're on the road and you don't have your head coach like no disrespect to Al Huss. He's done, he does a great job, but it's not Greg McDermott. Like you, you're, you're paying Mac for a reason. Okay. Yep. If he were that, if he were that replaceable, we'd have to have a conversation about head coaching salaries across the country. So let's just, yes, there's, there's some circumstances there that were tough to overcome. They overcame them on Saturday. Kudos to them tonight was just too high of a hill to climb. They got punched one too many times tonight and couldn't dig themselves out of a hole. So that's the way it went. Well, I, I think East when the committee looks back on the end of it, like 16 team from last year, both lost in the same building. Exactly. So. Exactly. It's just Hinkle sometimes. It is. Um, the second part of the question is, are you still shook up by uh, Cinderella's leftover fried chicken sandwiches? So the, do you know the origin of this or not? I, I, I do not. Okay. So on the last podcast after DePaul, we got asked about, what did we get asked? I don't remember. Something. It was, a, it was a, chicken question maybe our favorite way to eat chicken or something like that or what do we prefer and uh alex said he likes to eat his leftover fried chicken he likes to make sandwiches out of it and i thought that was really strange so i've just never so i assume he takes the meat off the bone yes and then just yes turns it into a sandwich that's that's exactly okay. right yeah okay i've never done that i've never had the i haven't either inclination to do it and it just seems like it's fried chicken. Why not just eat it as as it is? I, I guess I would understand um, if now I I have an aversion towards cold chicken or cold pizza. I hate it. I can't stand the idea of it. it you just, don't like cold pizza either? Oh, it gives me the willies. Really? So it's been something since I was a kid. Okay. But if you're going to reheat your fried chicken, reheating in the microwave isn't very good because everything gets soggy. If you got if you got an air fryer, that can be a game changer. Uh huh. But if you don't have an air fryer, then what Alex, you know, that's not a bad idea because at that point you might as well take the meat off the bone and, and make a sandwich out of it. Mm -hmm. So I I guess I could see that. 
I could see that. Okay. But I would prefer if I'm having fried chicken left over, I'll put it in the air fryer, recrisp it, and eat it like you're supposed to. Do you have you have an air fryer? Yes. It's okay. it's it's it, it is a game changer. Interesting. Everyone, in fact, I would encourage if I know there are some things, you know, like reheating stuff or making oatmeal or whatever that you can't really do in an air fryer, but I would if I had a choice between the two, I would keep the air fryer and ditch the microwave. Interesting. It's great for reheating stuff. It's great for and and, and in a pinch, it works good for, you know, if you got to cook a steak in there. If you have to. I don't recommend it all the time if you got a grill, but you can do a lot of things with it. And it's perfect for reheating chicken and pizza. All right. Yeah, I mean, my avenue was I'm more of a tenders than a fried chicken guy. Oh, it was all oh, the question was, what do we get? Um, from Popeyes, I think is the question, something like that. So like when we order, when we order chicken, what do we go with? So yeah, tenders is my thing. His was fried chicken because you can put it on sandwiches afterwards, and I thought that was weird because a you can do the same thing with tenders, you know, to rip the bone apart, and then b I'm just like, well, it's already chicken. Why would you take the? <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing? So anyway, I don't think I mean, I've ordered I think, anything I think picking, but the sandwich the last. Yeah, well, when you're eating fried chicken, when you're eating fried chicken, isn't picking the bone clean part of like the fun? I don't know. I always it can be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some like be. there's some like little flavor bits there that you don't usually get in a tender that you're like, okay, I like this. Good job, bone. You know, so <laughs> yeah, bone's I mean, doing its job. It's there exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how we got that thing started. So, um, yeah, that's it for our questions. Uh, should we just do a real quick preview of Xavier? Like, what do you expect? What does what Creighton to do to, um, you know, get even in the season series in that one on Saturday? Well, don't turn it over 21 times. That'd be helpful. Um, <laughs> Try feed, to, off, feed, off, yeah. feed off the energy of the crowd. You know, you're going to have it there. It's always one of the most emotional games of the year, uh, usually one of the best atmospheres of the year. And, um, you know, get, get, uh, get number 11 going early. And, uh, See if we can, you know, don't 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 go out, you know, jacking a bunch of threes early, but you know, at least make a few. <laughs> yeah. First half, get that get that place buzzing, and yeah. then uh, life will be easier if you make threes. So try yes. that. Try that first. Yes, it will. If that doesn't work. Yeah, keep Ryan Kalkman out of foul trouble because Xavier's really physical, so you don't want to have to deal with. You don't want to try to like mix and match small ball lineups against a big right. physical lineup like Xavier because you want to be able to. You want to be able to again win the battle of the backboards and create second opportunities for yourselves um, in those moments where the shot isn't falling. So, and don't um, let don't let Scruggs get to his strong hand. Yeah, get downhill. So, honestly, not letting Scruggs get off to a good start to the game is probably though they did that hard. in the first game. Scruggs didn't didn't wake up until the second half. Yeah, true. <laughs> so so, <laughs> but but if they don't turn the ball over twenty or uh, what, how many times did they turn over in the first half? Was Thirteen. It- if yeah. they don't turn it over 13 times in the first half, they probably win that game because they're up like 15 and a half. So they were still leading after turning yeah. over the ball on 10 crazy. of 11 possessions. It was crazy. 10 of 11 possessions. They, they were up, they were up by two possessions still. They had a two possession lead and they would turn the ball over that bench. That's crazy. one of the that is one of the dumber things um I will remember from this season. Yeah. I rewatched it and I still don't know how I can't explain how it happened. I go, how are they still? This is awful. <laughs> And they're still they're, and they're still in control of this game right now. It feels like Xavier's not. It doesn't have any idea how to how to swing this thing. So yeah, uh, yeah. Take care of the basketball much better first of all. Um, 
keep Scruggs out of the lane and keep Kochman out of foul trouble. And I'm pretty sure everything else will kind of fall into place because your role players play better at home, just kind of rely on the energy of the crowd. It'll be pink out day. Uh, there's always a little bit of extra buzz to that. Um, hopefully you'll have Greg McDermott back. So, you know, that might provide a little bit of a jolt to just having the head coach back on the sideline. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Quick turnaround too. Cause they got a, you know, they're gonna have two days of practice here and then it's an afternoon tip. So. Yep. Two days of practice and you're gonna have a coach who's going to be extra energized because he hasn't been there for over a week. So no doubt. Be you know, ready. He has a lot of notes. <laughs> oh, he's got notes. He was probably, he probably wore out his writing hand uh, taking yeah. notes after this. I don't think he tweeted as much tonight. He was, yeah, I bet no, you he was, it was a little, a little quiet, <laughs> a little quiet tonight. I bet uh, he was writing things down more than he was thinking about tweeting stuff. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, well, John, I appreciate you hopping on. I'm glad we finally knocked this out. Uh, but I appreciate your time. I know it's late. It's like 11 o'clock now. So, but it is, it's getting, it's getting late, but we'll be all right. And, uh, we'll, uh, we'll look forward to seeing you, uh, in the building on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, one o'clock. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Always appreciate your insight, my man. Um, for everybody tuning in, thank you for listening. Thank you for your questions. Appreciate you as always without this. We don't, we're just talking to ourselves. Um, so yeah, everybody have a good rest of your week and we'll talk to y'all on Saturday.